0: This is so uncomfortable and I'm just going to lean into this discomfort. I'm to lean in, it's gonna be okay. Something is gonna happen around the corner looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Pintucci,
1: and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious girl talk in between, this is the space for important conversations that women should be having with their best friends. So pour yourself a glass of of whatever makes you feel good, sit back and join me as I navigate adulthood with real unfiltered
0: conversations.
1: I'm very excited to have you on the show today.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited yeah. to be chatting with you. And do people, I feel like I'm going to ask you a question that people ask you all the time. Do people tell okay. you that you sound like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> no, no one's ever told No that. one has ever said that? You no. You actually sound like Kim Kardashian. It's really... Really? Yeah, you do. Is that a good thing? I love her voice, so I okay. think it's a good thing. <laughs> okay.
1: I'll take it as a compliment then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah, I'm pumped to have you here. And I know we, we briefly started chatting before we started recording. And I don't want to um, bore you with you having to tell your story for probably what is the seventh millionth time. No. But to a lot of the amazing women that listen to the show, this is maybe the first time. Yeah, they've come across your name, and they're about to find out how amazing your work is. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, and not only what you do, but what your path was to getting Mm -hmm. to where you are today.
0: Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me. I keep, I'm like looking into the, for those of you who are listening, I keep looking and like playing with my hair because I haven't washed it in like four days and Allie's hair looks so good. And so I just, I'm trying to like. I haven't washed mine in
1: like a week. So.
0: <laughs> and I was commenting earlier, she's like in front of a window. She's got this amazing light and filter. Um, yeah. Anyways. Well, I uh, founded my interior design firm, House of Bond, 12 years ago. This spring, it'll be 12 years Uh, which is so crazy. And um, I really kind of fell into into interior design. I always knew that I wanted to have my own business and do something creative. And I always knew from the age of like five that I wanted to build an empire, like really build something big. Um, And I started really grassroots. Like I um, did go to design school and very shortly after design school, started working on my own and did a couple of stints working on my own, kind of back and forth for two years, working with a firm, working on my own. And then um, I got an opportunity to work on a restaurant, jumped at it, and have never really looked back. And so for 12 years, I have been building my business. When I started, it was like um, I, I funded it through my credit card. Um, it was like one small, tiny project that led into a bigger one, a bigger one, a bigger one. The The restaurant project that I started, it wasn't even the whole restaurant. It was like I had to renovate the bathrooms of the restaurant. And I was like so excited. that I, had I renovated
1: the front door. Yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was, like, so excited to get this opportunity. I just wanted to work on my own, and I I knew in the very beginning, like, I always had an assistant or a student or someone that was helping me and working with me in the beginning, um, and I was actually just telling this story um, a little bit earlier I, I, that I, when I was in design school, I had an opportunity to um, appear on HGTV's Design Interns, and it, it was a design competition show where there were students or recent grads in Toronto. So like I flew myself to, I applied, I flew myself to Toronto to do the show. And um, the, if you won the design competition, you got to have this amazing internship at a really big firm in Toronto. And I like wanted it so bad. Um, but I made it through four episodes and then came back to Vancouver and continued to build my design career career. But I say that because um, I, I, from that experience, when I started my design business, I always knew that I wanted to do something in television, like I just knew it. And I worked really, really hard at that. At the same time, so here I am building my business. You know, I've got an assistant, and I'm taking got, like hustling for work and hustling for projects. And at the time, like 12 years ago, we didn't have social media. We did, Instagram didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube. I, I don't know when YouTube launched, but I definitely wasn't on YouTube. And um what was that
1: app where you would like live stream like Periscope or something oh, yeah, with like Periscope. your webcam? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> maybe I wasn't using that. <laughs> um and while I was building my business, I was at the same time um, you know, really wanting to do something in TV. And I was literally cold calling producers. I would look them up like Google them, look them up, cold call and say, hey, I'm an interior designer in Vancouver. I've got an idea for a show or I want to talk about doing a show. Would you be interested? And I would go for coffees with producers and talk about what it would take to get a show off the ground. Um, And so, I mean, this went on for a number of years. And then um, it wasn't until about five years in of building my business that I um, decided to go to YouTube. And part of the reason for that was because, here I was building from the ground up. For me, I was working my ass off. It was, you know, really, really hard to get off the ground. And I, I love business. I love entrepreneurship. And I really wanted to have a meaningful conversation about business and what it meant to grow a business. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was doing all this networking and, and, you know, I'd go to events and come in contact with people and everyone would be like, oh, I'm doing great. My business is doing great. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And I was always like, what? (laughs) Like, is it just me that thinks that this is super challenging and I feel like I'm hustling and working my ass off? So, um, it's kind of why I went to YouTube is I wanted to like talk about it. I wanted to talk about being a woman in business. I wanted to talk about design. I wanted to share design. Um, and I just loved the format. I love the format. And at the time, even though I was having all these conversations with producers, um, I wasn't at the point yet where I was getting a show. You know, I was in conversations, but I wasn't getting a show. And even if I was signing with production companies, you would go on what's called like a hold agreement while they do development. And you're basically Mm -hmm. um, exclusive to the producer. So if someone comes and asks you to do something else, you can't because you're locked in with this production company. Um, Yeah. And so this went on for a really, a really long time. And I, fell in love with the with the platform. I just loved YouTube. I loved engaging with people. I loved that I could be myself. I loved that I could share my story, talk about design, talk about in- entrepreneurship. And um, one day, about two and a half years ago, I get a call from a producer in Beverly Hills. And she was like, hey, we've got a show. It's going to Netflix. We have a chef. We have um, a restaurateur. We're looking for a designer. Do you want to do it? You get I'm so excited around.
1: for you. Even though you had the show, I'm like reliving it in the moment. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, she's
0: going to get a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she, and she was like, it's going to Netflix. We're getting ready to film. Are you interested? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, of course I'm interested. Um, and so that's how Restaurants on the Edge came about. So that's me that's in a nutshell. That's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. And when did, when did that air? It aired, it launched actually just uh, March last year. So a year ago. Oh, my God. A year already? A year already. A year already. And you know what? I have. To, it's like funny how things go because we actually shot it. We started filming, I want to say, about two years ago. Um, I was on the road for seven months. We did 13 episodes in different countries like Hong Kong, Finland, um, so cool. the Caribbean, the U.S., like all these different countries. It was an amazing experience. Came home. It was in the edit. When it launches, literally the world shuts down. It was crazy.
1: Those restaurants are like, (laughs) like we have a wait list of six years. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. Okay. We're going to dive a little bit into design stuff. I have a few personal questions for you Mm -hmm. later, but one of the things I think would be really important to talk about is this idea around overnight success. Yeah. You know, and you brought up a really good point. You're built in your business and you're engaging with people based on conversation and networking. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have that. I'm sure you didn't have that level of comparison that a lot of people are probably experiencing now where they're constantly scrolling online, looking at influencers, brands, people, businesses, all of these things. Feeling like, why is everyone's business doing so well? And I know you have no idea what's authentic or not. Yeah. And there's this idea of like everything needs to, that instant gratification or everything mm-hmm. needs to happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of people don't talk about is that a lot of stories are exactly like your story, where that overnight success TV show moment was how many years in the making?
0: 10. Ten years in the making literally 10 years in the making and so and i i do talk about this a lot where i was like i said i was literally cold calling producers literally mm-hmm. cold calling producers and I, I at the time i wouldn't have never said it that way but it was just me mm-hmm. reaching out being like hey i want to do a design show and i remember i cut up this was years ago is it like six years ago i cut something up of my team and my office and some projects and sent it to some production companies, like just cold sent it to Toronto. And then, um, you know, and I would get a response and people would call and say, hey, like you're up to something cool. We like what you sent. Um, You know, let's talk more. And I even flew myself out to Toronto at one point and set up um, some meetings with different producers. And at the time, Everyone was like, well, you know, design shows aren't really big right now. We're doing a lot of um, construction. Real estate is really big. And they were like, but design is cyclical or TV is cyclical. So if you keep up what you're doing, eventually design shows will come back and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be the first person that they call. And there was about a five-year period before I got the call to do the Netflix show where I was signed with six different producers in five years. And I was in locally in Vancouver, in Toronto, in LA. And sometimes mm-hmm. they were like big production companies like E1. That's a huge um, studio that does feature films. They're, you know, they have, they're in Toronto, they're in LA. And every time I would think like, oh my God, this is it. This is the moment we're going to get something off the ground. Mm-hmm. We put something in development and it, 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 nothing ever happened. So for five years, while I was signed with these production companies, nothing was happening. And I was getting like, in, not impatient, but just frustrated with the whole process. And yeah, also that's another reason why I spent so much time on YouTube. And it's to your point about an overnight success, you know, and even though I was like, why isn't this happening for me? Like I really, I wanted it so bad. And I was like, oh my God, this is just never going to happen. But along the way, what I got to do is learn how to speak in front of a camera really well on my feet I -hmm. took out all the likes and the ums and the filler words I watched myself over and over again while I was editing these videos and I learned you know how to what highlighter looked really good on my skin and what hair looked really good so by the time I got the call to do the Netflix show I was like I'm camera ready (laughs) yeah
1: I have so much respect for people on camera. I'm actually so pumped to be having this conversation with you because I don't talk about this part of my job enough for me. Mm -hmm. It's been my dream to have my own show. Cool. Dream. And there's been certain things that have come into my life where I've said, this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. and I've had a couple people approach me to be like, that's a really cool, a cool thing. Like. We might be able to turn that into something, but nothing ever came from it. Mm -hmm. And I remember going down, I worked with a hosting coach, a really reputable one down in LA. And the first time I did that workshop or that coaching with her, I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed to think, you know, you have this misconception that it's so easy Just show up and you're amazing Mm -hmm. and you're on camera and you can just speak. And I'm charismatic. Oh, people like me. It'll be fine. When I was recorded speaking, I looked like a like dead <laughs> speaking to a wall. Right. And, and when she would coach, she would be so emphasized and speak, and these are the words, and here's how you drag this word, and here's a toss, mm-hmm. and here's a this. And I was like, you're talking like a crazy person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk like that. I'm going to look crazy. Yeah. So I wouldn't listen. I'd see myself on camera and be like, my name is Allie, and I'm going to do this today. And, I- and you look dead. I look dead. I look you dead. Look I dead. don't look good. It's like, okay, I'm paying this lady, but I'm going to tell her she's wrong,
0: but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And I even had experiences like that too, where I would feel like I was on, right? Like energy. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And I would still have directors or people behind the camera going energy up. And I was like, what? I feel like I'm really on right now. Yeah. Um, You're like screaming with confetti. (laughs) Totally. But that's, yeah. And that's part of it is that it, like, it looks effortless when you're watching it on like if as an audience member mm-hmm. but you really have to be like big and loud in order to be engaging and captivating it's mm-hmm. and there, it's a lot of work for sure mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy yeah this conversation's kind of a nice
1: i don't want to say a reminder for me but a nice little piece of inspo to remind me that how hard did you really try to connect with the producer right you know, yeah. what, what work did you actually put in? Did you, did you really hammer down that concept? And mm-hmm. for me, I realized, you know, I lost my whole business in the pandemic, right? <laughs> this so was a crazy. shit year for me. It was, I mean, it was for a lot of people, Yeah. but at the same time I was after the grieving blessed with all this space to say, okay, what actually do you want to do? And I can make time for a podcast and maybe this isn't my TV show, but it's allowing me to find that voice and build that community Mm -hmm. and connect with women and help speak and build Mm -hmm. that confidence
0: and still kind of have control. Like maybe this is step one of having my show. So totally could be step one of having your show. And you know what now, and just from having gone through it for so long of like the discussions with the producers and, and you, you know, you start to see patterns and like the um, casting calls that I would do or the, the filming that I would do. Um, So having, seen it for a number of years now, I actually think it's changed so much too, where there used to be a time when you were really dependent on like a production studio to put together the format for you and to take you and basically place you in a show. But now I think with social media and content, it's like, you can actually kind of make the show, um, and get that picked up by a studio, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think is so cool. And I think it almost it can work in people's favor like you even more because you can show like what your real personality is and what you really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like when you are working with a big production studio, it's everything is kind of like contrived a little bit. They have a format, they have an aesthetic, they're looking for a personality, they want the personality to be a certain way. There's a lot of like it's hard. And if you're starting that journey, you kind of have to fit into that mold. You don't get to be yourself. Right. Um, but with social media now you can, you can kind of like make it, which is cool. Yeah. Make yeah. It it's own. been really fun. Yeah. It's been
1: fun. Little fun passion project. Okay. So let's go back 10 years ago, 10 years
0: ago. Okay. So
1: you, or you're flying. So you fly to Toronto to do this internship. Oh or this yeah. This, and
0: this, oh, this is like, um, oh my gosh, this is even longer ago. I don't know. 14, 15 okay. years ago, still in design school.
1: <laughs> what would you say your biggest stride was when you started to overcome like that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that like, am I ready to take on that whole restaurant
0: versus that versus that bathroom I just did? Mm-hmm. Like, what was that like for you? Oh my gosh, Ellie, that's such a good question. Imposter syndrome. I think that, well, for me, I, so um, I'm a design school dropout. I had done my, um, a degree and then went to design school and the degree that I did, like I did a philosophy and German degree and it was really hard. Um, I actually don't really remember anything from the degree, <laughs> but when I went to design school and here I am now, we're talking about like, we're looking at the color wheel and like orange is complementary to blue. And I was like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind right now that this is school because A, I loved it, but also it was completely different than like right. the academic world that I came from. Um, and at that point I was just like really itchy to be working because I always, I'm a working girl. Like I love, I love to work. I wanted to build a career. And so after um, I went and did this You know, stint on HGTV. I came back. So I did it in the middle of school and then came back. And like the semester that I was back, it was just wasn't a great experience back. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to stick around. Um, I feel like I can make this happen. I feel like I have a good eye. I'm ready. So I went out on my own or started working. And I struggled with that because I then, because I was a design school dropout, I felt like a huge imposter. I was like, who am I to be calling myself an interior designer, right? Like that just seems so absurd. And when I would go and meet with like potential clients, I'd be like, uh, you know, and I had to like really overcome that. And there was a few years in the beginning where just being okay, calling myself an interior designer, took a really long time. And then, you know, and then it like evolved too, because once I started getting like my business off the ground and got some momentum and then started going to social media, like I've, like I said, I wanted to do a TV show for forever, but then I had this whole thing where it's like, well, who am I to be famous? Who am I to be a TV personality? And so it's, I almost feel like every single time you level up in your career you're kind of met with a new imposter syndrome. (laughs) It never goes away. No, it's it's something that you need to manage. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's something you need to manage and like come to terms with almost. Mm -hmm. Were there
1: any projects you took on at the beginning where you were just like, that did not go as planned? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because that's how I feel about my whole house. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. I'm like... You're like, wait. That did not look this, like how I thought it was going to look.
0: Um, well, yeah. And like, there's, I mean, there's definitely some projects that I look back on and I'm like, Ooh, that those were some interesting design choices. You just blame it on the trends.
1: Yeah, That wasn't me. I just right. went with the times. Totally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's trendy to have art on the ground right now. <laughs> totally.
1: I'm killing it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we had imposter syndrome, but when was it that you felt like you hit your stride? Was there like that mm. one moment where you're like, I think back from me taking photos. Mm-hmm. I look back at photos for four years ago. Someone mm-hmm. will tag me in it. I'm like, don't tag me in don't that. Don't you dare tag me in this. Don't you dare tag me in that. <laughs> I didn't take that. And it's funny to see that evolution of your work. Yeah. But I also think back to when I started taking photos, mm-hmm. my confidence was not the same
0: as Definitely. to what it is now. Definitely, And
1: I try and think if there was an aha project for me. Mm-hmm that maybe something turned out really well that just gave me the confidence. And I don't think there was. But there was something over the last 12 months specifically where I just, the confidence just kind of came out of nowhere. My style changed. Mm -hmm. I stopped caring about what other people think. I took Mm -hmm. time to have fun shooting projects that were just creative so Mm -hmm. I could develop or channel something a little differently. And then I was like, I don't care. I just had this like, I'm amazing mentality. I'm going to do it.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Own it. But
1: it, it wasn't always like that for me.
0: Mm -hmm. So for you was, how long have you been doing it?
1: (laughs) It's funny because I'm the same way. (laughs) My background was eight years in sales and operations. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a creative agency. Right. So it's really, it was hard to make that transition to be Mm -hmm. like, well, can I, can I have this? Like when I actually went to go work in an agency, I felt one of the biggest parts of imposter syndrome because I'm like, I'm sitting at a table with some of the best creatives I've ever met Mm -hmm. and I've not even taken a marketing class. Right. Right. Yeah. Like hello, imposter syndrome.
0: That really- But also at the same time, kudos to you for making that happen for yourself. Thank you. You know what I mean? Wait, this
1: is your interview, not mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just saying, like, but because I feel like women, we don't, often we don't give ourselves enough credit, mm-hmm. right? And like, we're always struggling with like, am I doing enough? Am I being enough? Yeah. Is it, is it enough? Is it, you know, and it, it's like, sometimes we need to give ourselves more credit for what we're doing yeah. because, you know, I I don't know if I had a breakout project necessarily. Yeah. Um to be honest, like when the Netflix show came, I feel like there were so many times along the way when I really wanted that TV show to happen earlier. But when right. I look back on my career, I'm so thankful that it didn't happen earlier because I had a different brand at the, right. you know, years ago. Um, my team wasn't ready for it. I mean, they were barely yeah. ready for me to be gone for seven months on the road as it was. Yeah. There were so many things that needed to come together in order for that to happen. But I don't, I don't feel like I had a breakout project, um, you know, along the way it was just really like every day was sort of better than the last one. Every week was better than the week before. And every year was better than the year before that. So for me, I feel like it was like super slow and steady. Um, I don't think that, you know, I, at least for me, I don't think I had a breakout project, but there are times and moments when um, you know, you start building a team and then now you have people who are around you who have been around for a little while and you're like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm getting way better at leadership and way better at hiring.
1: Yeah. Or,
0: um, you know, there was a time when I was doing a lot of sales and not winning, not converting anybody. And it's like, oh my God. And then you kind of refine your sales strategy and it gets better now. So I feel like mastering all of these different skills just, um, it's not an overnight thing. It kind of yeah. it happens over time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think people don't speak to enough is what entrepreneurship is actually like. Mm-hmm. We glamorize it like we glamorize busy culture. Yeah. And I think it's starting to get a little bit better now and i don't want to be too much of a broken record for people that have listened to the show regularly cuz like, i talked about, about this again so <laughs> like here we go so fast forward 60 seconds okay <laughs> <laughs> but as females our bodies are wired differently mm-hmm. and sending people to the point of burnout is not what's required of you
0: no to to run a successful business no it's not no, it's not. And, you know, I think about this a lot right now, too, because um, like I, I don't have any kids. I don't have a lot of responsibility, like home responsibility in that area. So I can dedicate myself to um, my career. I, the And when I do like other people that I watch on social media on YouTube, like if I'm looking for entrepreneurs, often it is male men, mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are out there talking about it and mm-hmm. they have a different work ethic it's like waking up at four and then being home at 10 p.m like and emails on the treadmill bike and i'm like totally the like desk hustle, hustle hustle i know <laughs> i think i do really believe that um you don't have to be the most talented in the room you don't have to be the smartest one in the room but if you're the one that's willing to work the hardest you will outpace people. I do 100% believe that. Mm -hmm. But I don't believe that you need to push yourself to the brink of collapse (laughs) because you're not doing anybody any good at that point.
1: Yeah. I'd love to talk to you about that transition from being solo entrepreneur to building Mm -hmm. a team Mm because that's a really scary part in business. I even struggle with it. Mm -hmm. And I ended up changing my whole business model instead of when I started the agency... Everyone's like, okay, you got to hire people now. I'm like, I don't want employees. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't want full time employees because I think back to, okay, well, I started, I left my job to not be in an office. Why would I start a job that makes me be in that office and manage that office? Wouldn't I just mm-hmm. be doing the same thing? And deep down inside, that wasn't calling to me or my personality or what I truly wanted to do. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, before the pandemic, when business was pumping, you were handing out jobs like candy because you couldn't physically do it. So how is that a sustainable model for you to grow? So you got to pick the shoes. So I decided to build a network of talented freelancers so when bigger projects came in, I could bring them on, white label them like any agency, pull together a dream team for a project Mm -hmm. and then not give away business and hire freelancers. So Mm -hmm. I was like, this works for me. But prior to that, the thought of hiring someone like confession I don't even have a VA yeah (laughs) I'm scared to hire one (laughs) yeah
0: yeah really I am
1: I'm a psychopath right I'm like what if you respond to the email wrong what if you it's that holding on to that baby
0: you've built and the perfection and because the you, perfection. Because you know that if you do it, it's going to be perfect and it's going to be the way that you want it. And if you yeah. hand it off to someone else, it's not going to be perfect or not necessarily yes. the way that you want it.
1: Yes. Well, you're
0: saying a couple of things that really resonate with me. And I love that um, you're saying, you're talking to the fact that you don't want to have employees. Like that doesn't, it's not exciting to you. You don't want to be managing a team. Yeah. Um, and I think when you go into business for yourself, whether you're a freelancer whether you are building a company, whether you have a small team, a big team, I think you kind of, you need to go into it knowing yourself, right? Because to your point, if you don't want to have employees, then building that model where there's a whole bunch of people (laughs) under you, it's not going to work. Totally. It's not going to work. For me, like I knew that I wanted to build something really big. Like I really wanted to build a company. And so I... There was never really like a jump for me from solo printer to a team. Like mm-hmm. I said, when I started, I literally almost from day one had like an assistant or a student working with me. There was in the first year of um, my business, I did this like coaching. Uh, there was like an EPAC that I downloaded, and it had um, a saying in there that was along the lines of um, you can fill a room full of designers and the most talented interior designer with the worst business skills will never have as much work as the worst designer with the best business skills. Wow. Can we put that as the title of the show? (laughs) Yeah. And that (laughs) to me, like reading that in my first year of business was like, Oh, because yeah. you think, especially as a creative, you sort of think like, oh my God, I'm just going to do the most amazing work. I'm going to be the most talented and people are going to see it. And then that's going to, there's going to be a new project on the heels of my last one. And mm-hmm. that's kind of not how it works, especially not in the beginning. You have to go out and like hustle your work. And yeah. to me, the thought that like I could be in a room with someone else Um, and I could be a way more talented designer and they could be shit, (laughs) but really good at sales and business and have way more work than me. I was like, okay, hang on a second. I need to rethink the way that I'm approaching my business. Um, and then, so for me, I, and that's exactly what I did. I would hire out for design and really like honed in my sales and business skills, which were hard. And it was, it took a very, very, very long time. Um, but you also said something about, um. Yeah. And like man- managing people is, it's, that's a job in of, in and of itself. And when you get to a certain yeah. size, it's actually a full-time job and it's a job in and of itself. And if you're focused on your business or your craft, like I am, I don't want to be managing people full-time. And so um, mm-hmm. I, when we started this conversation, I said, oh my gosh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks over um, in my world at House of Bond. And it's been crazy because we just hired a studio director um, or I just so hired cool. a studio director, which is so cool. And it's like, it, this person has, I mean, she has so much, She's 24 years of experience in the design industry. She's managed huge I thought teams. you were going to say
1: 24 years old. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, <no. laughs> get it, girl.
0: <laughs> you know, 24 years of experience. She's managed huge teams and she's wow. come in and it's like unbelievable to see what she's able to do with my design team. And it's like mm-hmm. definitely a proud moment that, you know, I can even have someone like her on my team. Um, but yeah, I think really knowing yourself and cause it's not, business isn't glamorous, right? I don't know yeah. what the glamorous part of it is. Um, it's a lot your of- Your Netflix show. Yeah, the Netflix show, right. <laughs> but you have to work your ass totally. off. You have to totally. work your ass off. And even behind the scenes of the Netflix show, like I was hustling and managing my business, juggling 20 projects while I was on the road. Like it was insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have any moments where you were like, fuck it, I'm not doing it anymore?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I had, I actually, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> you're Like episode me. six, I was well, done. <laughs> I remember, I think it was, um, where were we? This was Finland. I literally got off, walked off the plane. And as I was walking off the plane, I was like... <laughs> And I just had tears and was like exhausted and so tired and um, like just knowing, I think we were at that point where we were just filming the last like three or four episodes and I was just like, and you're always on a different time zone and I was just, you know, and I like, I remember getting to my hotel room and um, at the time I had a different assistant and I had asked her to um, pick up an iPhone cable. I needed a new one because I leave them in hotel rooms all the time. So she picked one up for me, and I opened up the box, and it was, like, the wrong size, and it was, like, a catastrophic meltdown that I had the wrong size of the iPhone cord. It's like, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) You're like, I
1: have the iPhone 11, not the 3. I can't fucking use this.
0: Um, (laughs) What did those cables
1: look like? (laughs) <laughs> so I just had a flashback I'm like do you remember iPhone 3 wow <laughs> iPhone 3 yeah what did that
0: like, I was gonna I say no, no we were past the flip-up phone by that point but yeah um, <laughs> 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 yeah there, I mean there's been many times when I thought that I would throw in the towel it's hard it's hard you work your ass off and continue yeah. to work your ass off and then it gets like I don't it gets e- not easier just it's a different kind of working your ass off in those moments that you
1: are feeling really shit though, there's been a mm-hmm. few times where I – more times it usually happens in the bathtub or the shower and I'm just like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's it. I'm mm-hmm. going to go back to an office. I'm yeah. throwing in the towel. I can't yeah. do this anymore. Mm-hmm. What's the point? I mean, I'm sure you experience this in your industry. I feel like it's so common in the creative industry. Someone's undercutting you by a ridiculous fucking amount.
0: Oh, totally. Like, like someone a will come the to price me and you're like – I can't even... What?
1: (laughs) I have businesses, like I'm talking businesses, like Mm -hmm. big ones come to me and they're like, we need a hundred photos, like licensed for commercial. I'm a commercial photography photographer. Mm -hmm. I come from the agency world. You can't play me on these rights. Yeah. I know. And sometimes people will come to me through like influencer marketing stuff and they're like, oh, we need this. I'm like, okay, these are my rights. And they're like, well, other influencers said she'd give me a hundred images raw for $300. And I'm like
0: you're like
1: what What the hell yeah yeah so it really makes me there's been times especially in this in this year where I was reintroduced to my very good friend scarcity where Mm -hmm. I was like should Mm -hmm. I just drop all my rates should I go back and I was like no I gotta stand my ground I worked my ass off to get to these rates I can't backtrack Mm -hmm. I can't backtrack Mm -hmm. How did you, how do do you, like, how do you navigate those, those situations where you stay confident in your work and really don't care what your competitors
0: do? You know, I, okay, so it's funny how that, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, this, oh gosh, I can't remember how many years ago this was, but a number of years ago. And I remember we were leaning out on work and I was getting really, really nervous because I also wasn't winning work. And I was like, oh my God, what, what am I going to do? Right. And Mm -hmm. there's a kind of panic that really starts to happen, especially when you have other people, because, you know, if you're solo and you like, you know, you've got a couple of weeks or months or whatever that looks like. You know, it's just you that you have to take care of, and you can make it that back. But when you have mm-hmm. payroll and overhead, it's like oh my god, whole, I have
1: anxiety listening to this. I yeah, can't.
0: it's a whole different thing. Um, and I I remember this so distinctly because I was in my car and I was driving downtown, and I was like, okay, this is so uncomfortable, and I'm just going to lean into this discomfort. I'm lean in. It's gonna be okay. Something is going to happen around the corner, yeah. And I think it was literally in a few days or a couple of weeks that I landed um, a nine thousand square foot penthouse project, huge project that ended up being one of my trophy pro. I call them trophy projects, like the mm-hmm. ones that you can like blast everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was put on the market after I did the interior design for it, it was listed for like 54 million or something like that. And at the time it was the most expensive listing in all of Canada, like not just Vancouver, all of Canada. And so that got a whole bunch of press in and of itself because it was so expensive. And this was, I, and I link it all the time to this moment where I was like, okay, I'm just going to lean into the discomfort. And Um, now, whenever I go through uncomfortable times in my business, especially around rates or work and fees and stuff like that, I always think of that moment and I'm like, okay, deep breath. I'm just going to lean in. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to lean in. It's going to be okay. And something always happens.
1: And now you have that clout where somebody like your rates are insane or you're like, do you not know who I am? Yeah, totally. I have the most expensive listing in Canada. So those are my rates. Those are my rates. Yeah. Yeah. That's so (laughs) funny. Oh my gosh. I love that. I I love having more of these honest conversations because I know a lot of women listening Mm -hmm. are in that, that flux of like feeling either uninspired with their business. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, imposter syndrome is a huge one mm-hmm. because I think you feel that on any level, whether you have a business or you don't. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways you started to actually... Well,
0: and you know that Maril- um, Marilyn Streep, Marilyn... Meryl Streep. Meryl Street, Meryl Street, Meryl Street. <laughs> <laughs> Meryl Street. Yeah, you said yeah. it right. Yeah. <laughs> she talks about imposter syndrome all the time like she, she has like what, eight Oscars or something like that. And she still has imposter syndrome. So it is like common. It's totally common. It's normal. And I think it's just managing it more than anything. And like going forward, despite feeling like you might not be there, despite feeling like, you know, you're scared. It's just about being courageous and like going out there and owning it and, you know, putting a brave face on sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, that's, you know, it's just managing the imposter in you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we we already said it, I think, earlier. I don't – that doesn't ever go away.
0: It doesn't go away. It's just
1: learning to, like you said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And if that's the biggest takeaway I think that, like, someone can have listening to this is that, like, get used to it. Mm -hmm. Because when you become your own boss or choose you want to go down that path, you're not just the boss – You Mm -hmm. are every single person in the company and you have a lot of responsibilities and Mm -hmm. you have multiple bosses because you now have clients to speak to who forget that you're a contractor, not their full time employee. Mm -hmm. And shit gets wild. But at the same time, like you, you really get put down that acceleration, that accelerated path of like buckle up. Everything you've ever doubted about yourself is about to get really loud.
0: Yeah, is about to get really loud, and all of your. Weaknesses, <laughs> I hope you like. I hope you like confrontation. <laughs> exactly, and all of your weaknesses are like served up to you on a silver platter that you have to deal with. Because mm-hmm. if you suck at something in one area, well, too bad, Buttercup. You know, you suck. Suck it up. Because
1: better you can, hire that VA,
0: Allie, Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better hire. <laughs> yeah, like you can't if you know that you are shitty at sales, but you're in business for your yourself, well, you got to get out there and sell. Like there's, yeah. who else is going to do that for you? And so, yeah, um, yeah you got to get, yeah, you're confronted with your own weaknesses pretty fast.
1: <laughs> totally. There's one important question I have for you before we go. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sure this is a an knowing question for you because I think a lot of people spent a lot of time at home during COVID. <laughs> And I don't know if that brought you a lot of business where people are like, please help me because I live here now. I can't stand my house. Mm -hmm. But I want to know, I can't make my house look good. And I always think in my head, it's going like, this is it. These are the pieces. That's going to be amazing. And I think I'm like the coolest designer. I'm like at home (laughs) sense and I'm like putting stuff on the floor and I'm mixing matching Mm -hmm. things. And I get home and something always looks missing.
0: Like, do you have any Mm. tips for
1: like that tie-in
0: piece? Like it's okay, but something's missing. Something's missing. Yeah. Well, you know, as you were talking, I was just about to say declutter, but you're saying there's not enough. (laughs) Um, Well, it depends what room you go into, to be completely honest. (laughs) Well, because I'm facing this too, even in my own house right now, where I love to have a home that is like ready, guest ready, you know, showroom ready. Anyone can come over at any moment and it looks amazing. And I feel like I've decorated my place really well and I've got like all the right paint colors and all that stuff. But I think having a home for all of your objects and having objects that you really, really love, like whether it's the throw blanket and the pillows on your sofa that you really, really love or you want to switch them out to refresh your space, but only having what you absolutely love and what looks good, I think, helps so much because you can have a beautiful space that you have spent however much money on. And if it's cluttered and there's shit everywhere, it's gonna look like crap. Um, so I think, like, kind of purging a little bit and getting rid of a lot, and just having, like, in your living room, you can have one item on your coffee table that looks, that's kind of a statement piece, for example. Um, or, like, if you have a shelf in your office or in another area, just like curating it so that it it's not too full of stuff. um, mm-hmm. sometimes I just think like too much is worse than too little because if you are um careful about what you select in your home, then I feel like the pieces kind of come together really naturally. It's always when my house looks cluttered, it's so funny that I'm like, Oh, it just it's doesn't do many right. things. Yeah, yeah, mhm, yeah. Okay, one more question. And hang your art. What would you say? Hang your art.
1: (laughs) It's a whiteboard, okay? Okay. okay. (laughs) To be fair, this wall has the shelves and the art. I told you I had to rearrange my office. So now, um, okay, I think I'm going to get a moss wall behind me. Do we like Mm. this or no?
0: A moss wall? I'm kind of loving your plant behind you. It feels very sandwiched up against the wall, but I'm kind of loving it. Yeah. I have nowhere else to put it. Oh, it's, it's good. It's healthy.
1: She's growing. She's growing. Um, Okay. Top trends to look out for, for 2021. And then I'm done.
0: Top trends. (laughs) No, this one I like. Um, Top trends. One big trend is cane furniture like cane chair, cane or caning. That's like our, our like rattan. It's, um, it's almost like a woven material, but yeah, like
1: basket wire kind of looking kind of. Yeah, exactly.
0: So beautiful. We, um, actually we just left on, we were on site earlier today and there, we did a whole cane bar. It looks so good. Chairs with cane. I, I just, I love that trend. Um, sculptural, furniture and curves. That's really mm-hmm. big. Like gone are the days of our s- chairs with square backs and like Well, I- how often am I going to have to replace everything in my house? I know, <laughs> right? Right? Um, but yes, curves are really big. We're even putting curves okay. in like kitchen islands. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So, well. we're definitely a move towards that and then um I feel like I say this often, but it, it's true. We're really moving away from like a lot of white and way more color, way more color. And I'm not talking about like throw at <laughs> least like, oh my God, I'm so stressed.
1: <laughs> I only have three colors in my house, white, gray, black, and then right. maybe some gold picture frames. And well, maybe my couch is brown now because of my dog, I don't know, but I don't have color.
0: I hate yeah. color. You hate color. We'll see a big trend now is going moving into a space where you've got like, let's say, um, pink, but you're layering different tones of pink. So it's mm-hmm. very tonal. Um, it's not like you're pairing pink and blue and orange and all of these yeah. colors in one space, but you're kind of like yeah. picking a color yeah. and then it's tone on tone on tone. So very maybe I'll do um, green, soothing, soothing spaces. Okay. Green, green's a good one.
1: Because my plants are green, you know. I yeah. like emerald green. I don't know. Yeah, my house, I hate it. I hate it. I
0: really? come in and
1: I'm like, you know, it's just not it. Mm-hmm. It's not it. And maybe it's because I don't even love my apartment, so I don't feel invested to go out and buy new oh, things because yeah. I don't think I'm gonna be settled here for very long. Yeah. So I kind of just deal but with don't it. Do you think
0: having a space that you feel inspired in is really important?
1: Okay, listen, I go through this back and forth every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that more than I think about hiring a VA. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's like, don't overthink it. Like go into one of your rooms and just start reorganizing it and like yeah. moving furniture around and just like, it doesn't have to be, it. you know, it's not that deep. Like just go move it around, action, Um, like get in there. And sometimes it, by acting, all of a sudden now that triggers a thought of like, ooh, actually maybe this could be an accident. Yeah. Maybe I should paint this wall yeah or something. Yeah. You know, it's got a domino effect. I feel like sometimes we get stuck in just thinking too much and I always think that yeah. thinking never leads to results. Action mm-hmm. does. So it doesn't matter what you do, just act on it.
1: Yeah, I think the clutter is a big thing because I mean, we're we're in tiny apartments. And yeah. sometimes I have these little things that I'm like, hey, that might have worked in that this last mm-hmm. house, but you know, maybe that doesn't work in this space, mm-hmm, and then, totally. but I keep it because I don't want to get rid of it. But anyways, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other uh, podcast. A whole other podcast. Ollie's um, hoarding
0: habits. Just kidding. legit.
1: <laughs> I would like. I think I'm a hoarder. I can't get. And then all these brands send me stuff. I'm like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I like, just there's, there's too many boxes, and where does yeah. it go? And just, just stop. I need to just. Everything must go. It's got mm-hmm. everything's got to get out. Anyways. Um, I am so pumped that I had the chance to hang out with you today.
0: Yeah, this was fun. Thanks yeah. for having me on your podcast.
1: Yeah. So before you head out, why don't you just fill us in on what you're up to, what's coming up for you, how people can connect with you, all yeah. that kind fun of stuff. If you're taking yeah.
0: clients. Well, yes. And you know what? Um, right now I am so excited with what's happening on my YouTube channel. Like I said earlier, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, JP is here today. We're vlogging today. Um, he is amazing, and I feel like we've just leveled up the content on my YouTube channel. So if anybody is listening, um, if you're into interior your design or business and entrepreneurship, like all of that is on my channel. Um, so definitely come over and take a peek because I'm pretty, like I'm pretty pumped about what's happening over there. And then of mm-hmm. course, if you love design and you want inspiration, um, come over to Um, Lots of beautiful imagery. And then you can find, if you want a lot of design focused content, um, you can follow me on Instagram at House of Bond, or you can follow me personally at Karen I bon. Amazing. Do you guys have a Pinterest? We do have a Pinterest. Yeah. yeah and it, I that's might at dive bon into table. that. Yeah. Okay. Lots of, and I feel like we need a better Pinterest strategy because there's lots going on over there, but yes, if you want some pretty cool mood boards, Pinterest mm-hmm. for okay. sure. That's yeah.
1: amazing. And are you taking on new clients? If yes, what kind?
0: Always new clients. Um, we, I mean, we're doing a huge, a mix right now. Like we're doing a lot of residential. We're doing restaurants we're doing hair salons we you know knock on wood we get through covid quickly mm-hmm. um and people are going to be gathering again um, mm-hmm. which is going to be great but yeah residential restaurants if you are thinking of opening a business um call me your space at
1: common ground is unreal it's one it's probably my favorite oh, studio thanks. in the city it's so beautiful
0: yeah common ground yeah. and what a great like I love their values they're yeah. just amazing they're I love common ground
1: mm-hmm. amazing well Karen thank you so much for hanging out with me again I am so so honored that I got to hang out with you and have such a great important conversation I think a lot of women are going to benefit from this and um, yeah guys make sure you take a few minutes out of your day to connect with Karen
0: thanks Ali. you're have welcome have a great afternoon
1: you too bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have new episodes that drop every single week, including some bonus content called Honey Check, co-hosted with my best friend, Jenna Garrell, where we catch up for some classic girl talk. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the show. And of course, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes, but it helps support the show so much. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online Facebook community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye.